How do I charge a car? Can I charge it in the rain? How far can I drive? Electric car? What's a power grid? Is V2G possible? What is V2G? Do I get free parking for my EV? Hi, everyone, and welcome to Electric Avenue, a podcast about the electric mobility revolution and new energy economy as seen from our perspective out here in Central and Eastern Europe. I'm your host, Aaron Fishbone, Communications Director at Electric Mobility Charging Service Provider Greenway, based in Bratislava, Slovakia. Now, this is a special episode coming to you directly from a conference that we at Greenway organized in Brussels on March 26, 2019. We wanted to raise some important issues with policymakers there. So we gathered players from many different institutions and associations to participate in the debates. They were really substantive and informative, and we want to share them with you directly. So we've organized this special series to air the panel. There will be three of these episodes, one for each panel. They're going to be longer than our usual episodes, but we want to share everything with you, not have you miss out. The first episode is about the topic of distribution tariffs. This is the fee which companies pay to be connected to the electricity grid and to be able to access certain amount of power, regardless of how many times that power is called upon. So for electric vehicle charging infrastructure companies like ours, these costs can be substantially higher than the cost of the charger itself each year, thus making providing charging services a largely unsustainable business, which will greatly impact the ability of electric vehicle deployment to take off. Now, those tariffs were set long before electric vehicle charging became a thing, but now that it is, this is a major bottleneck on the road to the wider deployment of electric vehicles and charging infrastructure. So it's high on our agenda, and we organized this panel to develop and debate solutions. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. The panel is moderated by Rafał Szaszewski, CEO of Greenway Polska. So without further ado, Rafał. Thank you very much. Before we start the discussion, as I can see, the distribution tariffs is a hot topic. I must share this view that something needs to be done regarding the arrangements between charging point operators and the distribution system operators. Uh, because especially in some countries like Poland, the uh, tariff scheme is not relevant to what's going on in this new uh, industry, which is charging services. We have faced a very significant problem in Poland regarding the cost of the connection. It's not related to the physical connection to the grid, because we, we are in quite good situation in the country, as the fee for that is quite low. We pay just one sixteenth of the real cost of the connection. But then once we are connected, and even even if the physical capacity of the connection is high, we must agree with DSO, contractual basis, what should be the capacity that you want to order from the grid. So in the agreement with DSO, we define it in kilowatts, and we must pay every month a fixed fee for every kilowatt based on this contract. And the problem, especially in Poland, is that once we exceed 40 kilowatts of this contractual power, then these a unit fee increases four times. And this is the reason why we have decided to reduce the power of our fast charges connected to DSO network. Fortunately, not all of them are connected to DSO network, to 40 kilowatts. Even if we have infrastructure capable to deliver even 75 kilowatts to our customers which unfortunately means that we are not able to provide a service with the quality that is expected by our clients. But on the other hand, 
we are not able to cover the very high cost of the connection, especially at the moment when the market is just starting. In Poland, for example, we have roughly 2,500 electric vehicles, which means that most of our chargers are utilized at the level of 2-3%. And just to give you an example of how much I'm talking about, it's uh, roughly 400 euros per month per charger. Fixed fee paid even if no one charges at this charging point. Yeah? So this is, this is quite significant operating cost for us. We understand the problem and therefore we want to start discussion not only in, in Poland but generally in, in our region and Europe what to do in order to solve the problem. Uh, which can help the overall growth of the electromobility. So we can start now our discussion. Uh, so let me invite here, first of all, Leila Sawyer from Smart Ian. The next panelist is Jan Bokora, then Jason Donk and Maciej Mazur. Maybe let's start with short introduction. My name is Leila. I work with Smarten, and we are a business association based here in Brussels, working on European policy for digital and decentralized energy solutions. So this includes EV and demand response, aggregators, all kinds of uh, technologies that can improve the flexibility of the energy system. Yeah, so hello, everybody. My name is uh, Jan. I work for Inogy in Slovakia as a business uh, development project manager, but previously I was also responsible for uh, regulatory affairs. And I was working also with Euroelectric on the distribution system tariff report. So that's maybe what will be my inputs in today's discussion. So I'm Jason, I'm from Avere, we're the European Association for Electromobility. We have as a national associations from across Europe where we represent industry, EV users and academia. And for us, we're the, the one single voice in Brussels and in Europe representing the whole e-mobility uh, value chain. I understand that the Polish association is a member yes. of your association. Yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> My name is Maciej Mazur. I'm managing director and the president of uh, Polish Alternative Fuels Association. I'm happy to be here with you today. We are the largest uh, association in Poland dealing with uh, immobility and we are doing quite a lot in this field, conducting some reports, publishing a lot, uh, doing some pilot projects, as well as uh, integrating the whole market uh, that is uh, close to, to the immobility issues. So let me start with Jan. You mentioned that Euroelectric prepared a kind of survey regarding distribution tariffs in different European countries. So what are the main outcomes of this report and how it can be translated into discussion about the tariffs for charging service providers? I would start, what was the aim of this study? Because I don't know, maybe a few of you read this study, maybe not. It was published last year in November. And our aim was uh, to analyze the, uh, let's say, the landscape or the situation uh, regarding the distribution tariffs connected to uh, producers in the European countries. And what was the result? Actually, we find out that there is a real mess regarding the distribution tariffs. Doesn't matter like in which region we looked at, but on the whole European level, there is really like a lot of different charging regimes. There are differences between DSO and TSO level. There are differences between individual DSOs in certain countries as well. So there is not even alignment on, on a charging regime uh, within few countries. 
there are a lot of or, or very, very different uh, regimes connected to uh, the connection or the use of the distribution system. There was differences also related to ancillary services, uh, network losses, uh, taxes, levies, uh, or as we call it, the other distribution use of system or the G tariff, uh, which is not a very popular term. So really, there is a lot of discrepancies uh, between the countries, between the regions, even uh, individual countries aren't really aligned how to charge producers or any other subjects that are connected to the DSOs. Uh, regarding the immobility, we also, uh, during our survey or during our analysis, we also covered immobility and storage, but usually the outcome was that immobility is supposed or, or taken by the DSOs as a standard consumption or offtake point, so as a standard consumer. So there are no specific, no uh, different charging regimes than uh, applied to the basic uh, consumer. But we tried, despite the mess that really, that was obvious, we tried to give some policy recommendations. And, and I think this applies also to any discussion related to immobility and special tariffs uh, or, or on the distribution level for, for electric vehicles or for uh, households uh, with uh, electric vehicle. Three main or three main points or three main issues needs to be taken into account. It's cost reflectiveness, it's transparency, and it always has to stimulate efficient use of the system. This was our three main conclusions. This is a must, whether you talk about producers connected to the DSO or TSO, whether it's a charging station, whether it's EV, battery, storage, whatever. So this would be like a very short uh, recap uh, what was our study about and what are the uh, main results. Okay, Jason, how do you see this, this problem of, of tariffs? What are the main uh, information provided to you by uh, your members of the associations and what can be done to solve if the problem persists? Because maybe we are wrong, maybe the, the problem is only in Poland and uh, it doesn't hurt so much other CPOs in other countries. I have to say that uh, it's not just in Poland where there's an issue. Um, I could also reconfirm uh, your your studies as well that it's the distribution tariff system is a mess and a jumble. I would say across Europe, across the the Western European countries as well. It's not just then the the distribution cost, but then to an extent it's the connection to the grid as well, the transparency again. Uh, what an EV user understands is paying for his uh, tariff as well, because that is quite opaque right now across, across Western Europe. Um, you will have session fees included in there. You have you know parking fees as well if you're, you're charging in public, but these are you don't know in your final bill, especially if you're trying to go roaming from you know France, Germany, Belgium, these kinds of things. It's, it's very opaque. Just the basic thing is that you, you don't have a meter value that you can trust and verify as well. So this, that it, it's key to essentially drive the market. From the charging tariff itself, you know, and again, you, these connection fees can really drive the markets and, and really make it very difficult for, for EV uptake as well. In the UK, um, my sources as well say that even to connect to the grid, that something you say in Poland is quite relatively cheap and uh, easy to do. It can go up to 800,000 euros for 
for instance, for a workplace to charge, and it's first come, first serve in the sense that if I am somebody in the neighborhood who's first getting into electromobility and I want to you know, upgrade the connection to my workplace, then I will have to pay it, then my neighbors do not have to pay it. So this is something that, that needs to be addressed as well. So just generally, these are kind of some of the main issues that, that I found. So generally speaking, there is a kind of mess on the market, different solutions, different arrangements in different countries, different challenges. But uh, I have also some experience regarding distribution because I've been for several years uh, president of one of the biggest DSOs in Poland, and I remember those discussions about uh, how to structure the tariffs. But on the other hand, we did recently uh, some modeling, financial modeling, and uh, the results of this uh, modeling uh, showed that electromobility is very beneficial for the whole industry because it um, increases the volume of the energy to be produced and then distributed through the grids. And taking into account the common approach to the calculation of the tariffs, where you have some costs, and then you divide it by the volume, it means that when the volume is going higher, then uh, the unit cost or the fee paid by the client is going down. And additional costs related with the development of the grid for the electromobility is not so, so high. So in long term, it means that every action that support deployment of electric vehicles is beneficial for the whole uh, electrosystem and uh, should be somehow supported. So the general question is what to do to get the USOs on the board and to start the real discussion with them because it, in long term will be beneficial for them as well. Leila, maybe your, your thoughts on that. I wrote on your website that your association get a companies driving digital and decentralized energy solutions. So also the question how those solutions can uh, help in, in solving these problems. So I think it's really important that we take a system perspective. So it's uh, great to encourage electric vehicles to in increase flexibility. At the end of the day, we're looking to also integrate a lot of renewables into the energy system in the long term. And for this, we need a more flexible energy system. And electric vehicles can either be a threat or an opportunity for this, I suppose. So I think from the perspective of the DSO, it's also important that the incentives for the DSO are correctly placed. Because I understand that the DSO needs to recover the cost of the, of the grid and make future investments. And if the number of EVs and connection points keeps growing, of course it needs to recover the costs. So then it's the question how you distribute these costs across society and, and who pays for it. And then, of course, we need to make sure that this is done in a fair way, in a transparent way, and as you said, in a cost-reflective way. And to make sure this is done at, in a cost-reflective way, we need to not just look at the cost of one connection, but at the cost to the overall system. So if the cost, if EVs are bringing down the energy cost, even if it, as maybe at one moment there's a cost to connect this EV, if it is bringing down the overall cost of the system, then this needs to be fairly reflected in the tariff that they are paying. So I think the first step is to make sure that also the benefits that EVs can bring to the system, and not just increased electricity use, but the increased flexibility they can bring to the system, that this is brought to the attention of the DSO, and, and also that this is then 
reflected in the tariffs. And then how you do that is still another question, but it's also this change in, in mindset to really bring this uh, system perspective that you're not just uh, recovering your capital expenditure, but keeping the overall system cost low. So yeah. the key uh, word here is flexibility. In Poland, and I think in most of the countries, the tariff system is not prepared to be flexible and to, to uh, offer proper solution for changing the situation in the electric environment. Because uh, before we had a very simple uh, situation. We, we, we had just generation, we had some uh, uptakers of the energy with quite the same uh, um, demand for the electricity during a day. And the situation was simple. And now we have producers of the electricity, prosumers. Now it's not simple anymore. <laughs> not simple anymore. We have, we have uh, charging points which are utilized just a few hours or even a few minutes during a day. And uh, so the tariff system doesn't reflect those new uh, situation in the system. Uh, Jan, coming back to, to your experience, you are also uh, working for Inogi. I understand also for the distribution part of the company. So how do DSOs see the future uh, in the long term? They treat electromobility as a challenge or it will bring some benefits to the system? What's the general attitude towards yeah. it? We see it in a very positive way. Mm -hmm. As was said, it's a, it's, for us it's a new, or for, for our DSO, because I'm representing more than just the DSO, it's overall group. Um, it's a new it's it's like new consumption so it means like more the more volume of electricity goes through our distribution system that of course it's it's better for us then the tariffs go down so yeah of course this is the positive effect on the other hand to a little bit adjust the, the big picture there is also the issue of capacity planning and balancing and overall the grid stability and the security of supply. We need to put this on the top of every discussion because without the security of supply, charging stations won't work, light bulbs won't work, nothing will work. Yeah? But on the other hand, we see that e-mobility, if managed properly, if taken into account the benefits, of course, for the environment, for the consumers, for the society, but also manage in a way that the capacity and balancing and overall grid stability is, is taken into consideration that of course it will have a very positive effect. So we also see it as an opportunity for us, uh, not only from the point of view that uh, we will have more of 10 points in our distribution network, but also from the point of view of uh, smart grid discussions yeah, and uh, overall planning of the distribution system. So yes, we see it in a very positive way. And what about the problem of the last miles and you know the real problems when a number of people having uh, in garages on the same street wants to start charging, especially at night when there is a drop in the tariff? What's your view on, on that, how to approach this problem? Yeah, that's about real the proper management of the system. Uh, from our perspective, we cannot allow that there will be 100 or 1,000 chargers on one street. It's impossible. We don't have the capacity, and uh, just the cost for reinforcing the network will be unbearable for both us and the consumers. 
So if also the charging operators and the DSOs and uh, associations work together and find out real good model where the charging stations should be placed, taking into consideration the physical limits of the infrastructure and of course the needs of the customer because when we say, okay, we don't have any capacity here, go five kilometers, there is a place where you can charge your car. Sorry, that's a no-go. Yeah, so it needs to take into consideration all of these aspects. But we try to really take the customer into this discussion and always also advised him what is the best solution for you so that you don't overpay for your fixed cost or for your capacity. We try to be like the partner for the customers, not only with respect to e-mobility, but also to other issues like concerning his whole energy management and the energy efficiency of, of the offtake points as such. Um, yeah, and there is so much that the market can also do to assist in this because there's a lot of aggregators entering the market that can... Uh, help to coordinate this as our homes also become smarter and uh, we have an increased capacity to deliver smart charging um, and that means that we can uh, we don't just because we all plug it in at the same time doesn't mean it all needs to be fully charged at the same time so we can coordinate this to do together what is best for the system so that we don't indeed overburden the system when you don't need to drive your car until the next morning. So I think it's indeed key that there's proper coordination at a local level and at the same time that the market has a chance to respond to this. Jason, Jan said about uh, proper communication between associations, DSOs and other market players. So what would be your recommendation how to conduct this discussion in the industry in order to find out the, the best solutions for both sides? It should be led uh, here in Brussels or locally in, in different countries. What's your view? I think uh, I have to agree with Leila to an extent. It's that it's going to be holistic, the future. It's going to be, you're going to need a lot of cooperation because we have to stop looking at transport and energy in silos. You know, Because, again, the DSOs will have to deal with the upcoming amount of increase in energy, not just from immobility, but from prosumers, from renewable energy sources. So we have to look at this in a very holistic way and look at it together to address these upcoming solutions as to how to deal with it. And I mean, whether it be European or local, it, it should be both. We just had you know, the final deal on the clean energy for all package. This will push time of use tariffs as well, which will help incentivize uh, consumers to charge during off-peak hours, which will help the DSOs manage the uptake in you know, e-mobility. So there's a lot of ways in which this will be addressed in the future, and it's not just you know, something we need to potentially, and what has done in the past, this is fear-monger over the uptake of e-mobility on DSOs and the impact that this will have. In some conversations in the past, I've had some very uh, drastic suggestions in that we actually give the DSOs more power in terms of price setting because right now, from what I've been told, is that the DSOs, if you want to, you know, smart charge, if you're a company like Jetlix, it's a company that offers smart charging, and you're talking to the DSO, the DSO cannot commercially incentivizing your consumer to go off-peak. They can, you know, you obviously provide them the benefit with you know, ensuring that there's not peak uh, demand at peak hours, but they cannot, you know, give the Jetlix, the official company, money to do that, but I'm sure there's potential uh, pushback from some companies that may want to give more power to the DSO.
So, generally speaking, more holistic approach to this problem, not only about electromobility, but also other aspects of the of the system. Uh, Maciej, can you share what your thoughts regarding what kind of support we expect from DSOs in Poland, or if any, and how they can also be engaged in the future uh, in the development, especially the, the uh, charging infrastructure, also taking into account the Polish regulations uh, that are in place already? I suppose DSOs should be more open uh, to the mobility uh, and to accept the fact that it's something huge in mobility and it's uh, it's going to grow uh, in numbers uh, in the future and uh, it's something real. And uh, taking that into account, uh, try to focus on how we can together shape this market uh, for the future. Because uh, what we see in Poland and I suppose everywhere else is that uh, immobility is a fast changing market and uh, those companies are on the other hand quite slow in their changes and this gap is bigger and bigger and bigger so, so that's a problem and there are some minor problems but they are still huge, for example, to get uh, technical conditions uh, for a grid connection in Poland. You've got to wait for an answer, just an answer, not 14 days, not 21, not 30, but 150 days to get just an answer. And another problem is that connection time is extremely, extremely long. It's on average 18 months and more. And that's a problem in Poland we already have, and this is a huge barrier of electromobility, as big barrier as uh, distribution tariffs. Uh, so when distribution tariffs is about OSD, but more about uh, some regulations uh, in general, those waiting time, it's about those companies. So it should be said that uh, we should all work together with, uh, I suppose, on the European level, but on, in our countries as well, to set up a kind of a strategy to create this good regulations uh, for immobility to grow, because without uh, those regulations, we'll lag behind uh, all other parts of, uh, of the world, and we, we will have huge problems to have uh, fast and ultra-fast chargers. And in Poland, it's a really big, big problem. We are working uh, not only with Greenway, but we are only working with some other ultra-fast and fast uh, charging operators. And they've got extremely big problems to install any charging stations in Poland. And it's, it's really, we are a kind of a leader in this field as well, and I'm not happy about it, that uh, we've got to wait for two years to get, that's the waiting time, to get the connection. So, so it makes totally no sense. And that's a real problem. So I suppose that, um, that we should focus on working together and setting a scheme uh, how to do it in a better way. There are a number of other problems, but coming back to the tariffs, I understand that this problem that you presented probably is the most challenging in Poland. It's not so big issue in other countries, maybe different stories in Spain. And I think that we should, as you suggested, address this problem to the ministry because it's a real barrier for the development of the network, of the chargers. Yeah, and uh, I, I think that... Uh, it's because the immobility is something completely new for all of us, for all of the players. And we've got to, to address this issue 
and to make this exemption in tariff scheme to allow immobility to have their own tariff. That's for Robert, sure. Robert, the best would be the overall reform of the tariff system to change it towards what Leila said to be more elastic uh, approach. Uh, but it requires uh, a time, uh, and this problem that we started with is the hottest one at the moment. So final question to you. Do you think that a special tariff for charger infrastructure is necessary on the European level, or this is just a problem in Poland and we should solve it somehow internally? I think it will be extremely difficult to get all the European countries to agree on something to harmonize these tariffs. I think it is the most important that in the end we have a, a tariff that works for all technologies that can provide flexibility and that reflects the cost to the system. So if e-mobility is employed properly in a way that it is providing the services to the system, this should be reflected in the tariff. And if this is properly reflected in the tariff and it's able to provide services to all kinds of markets, then it's not strictly necessary to have a special tariff for e-mobility if it's already cost-reflective. But I understand that there is a long way to go yes. in this. Yeah, I would say, at least from our point of view, there is no need for another tariff, really. The, honestly, how many of you know what's included in your price of electricity? Maybe no one knows, maybe few knows. Really, to each individual item. And there are a lot of hidden costs, uh, mostly policy-related uh, to support uh, different kinds or different parts of the overall system. So creating another tariff for immobility, uh, at least from our perspective, it's not necessary. Uh, we would be open for any discussion related to some, mm, let's say, initial support connected to like connection or uh, access tariffs. Yeah, make some exceptions. but. I'm saying only on the initial stage, because when the market is mature, you don't need any other subsidies or any exceptions. So from DSO perspective, this would be fine. But creating another tariff would be, I think, unnecessary. Yeah, I would have to say that for charging infrastructure, uh, we should really, I mean, Europe is complex, you know, so we should really see what works best in the market. You know, for Poland, it may work for other countries where e-mobility uptake is a bit different than, than potentially not, but we can always assess that need. I would say to flip it around for personal users, for instance, you know, in France, you don't actually know as an e-mobility user, you don't have an EV charging tariff, you just have, you know, your one tariff for electricity. So when it comes to personal consumers, then yes, it would be actually quite advantageous to have an e-mobility, you know, specific tariff. That way you know, okay, A, how much money is being spent for the charging and then for the dishwasher, etc. And then you can kind of incentivize consumers to adapt their consumption and you can you know, work with the government as well as to specifically taxing that charging service in this way. So thank you very much. Uh, any questions from the audience? Yes, good afternoon. Um, my name is uh, Julia Hildermeyer. I'm with the Regulatory Assistance Project. We are um, an independent group of, of clean energy advisors uh, here in Brussels. And thank you, first of all, for this, uh, having this panel. Um, it's an excellent discussion. Um, I want to add a few um, points here and there to the discussion. We've been following this discussion for a long while, working on power market regulation, but also on, on e-mobility. And 
our sort of observation is that the network charges indeed are, are a big problem. Um, around 27% of the EU average household energy bill is going into network charges. And, and that is quite significant because a fixed charge as such doesn't enable an EV user to charge smartly. So in cheaper hours, creating overall benefits to the grid because, of course, by doing that, you're lowering the overall cost um, that then needs to be redistributed. So we need more dynamic network uh, tariffs. Um, I think we all agree on that as an incentive for smart charging. And um, we're about to launch a study that I'm trying to promote a little bit here, where we looked into some already existing practices. There's not a lot uh, in Europe, but some. Um, so I just want to mention that there is a supplier in Copenhagen that serves about a million customers uh, in the region that actually has established a time of use, so a simple dynamic element into the network uh, tariff um, in about three peak hours during the day where the charge for using the network is three to four times higher than the standard tariff. And our first return of experience shows that, that this actually helps to change people's behavior. And this is the kind of simple change that is actually already happening that many more network companies could do to help integrating e-mobility into the grid. And of course, this is uh, creating benefits uh, for everyone because you're allocating costs in a more just way. But it's also um, helping to use our existing assets more. And that's another point I want to add to the discussion. The networks that we have in Europe are underutilized in many cases. And we've done a study on that last year, uh, looking in a bit more detail of that. So by directing uh, charging smarter and to cheaper hours, we're actually making more use of already existing investments without needing to make more investments. And that's, of course, in the end, again, a win for everybody, not just for EV drivers. So let's make use of that, and um, I'm happy to talk about more examples that you can find all over Europe, but there's, um, of course, not enough yet. Yeah, good afternoon. Arne Richters from Malego. I have a question to Jan, I think. Thank you for referring to that study. Uh, we are definitely going to flee through that in detail. Do you think there's enough transparency in terms of the tariff setting across Europe, in terms of what it's accounted to and attributed to? Because we're certainly very keen to get much more of a handle on that as well. Because if we don't build in that type of transparency, you're going to see perhaps black spots in Europe where there's no EV infrastructure, and one of those reasons might be the tariffs. How do you see that? Yeah, there is no transparency at all. And uh, like Slovakia was a good example uh, when we conducted our case study, because uh, fortunately somehow I met uh, one colleague from Slovenska Elektrarne, which is part of NL, so the generator side, and I was representing the DSO side. And we were sitting on one table discussing about the G tariff. Yeah, we said, it's okay, it's fine, you should pay it. He said, no, no way, this is like totally killing our business. And when we were digging deeper, like, what were the problems? And then like other colleagues uh, joined the discussion. We said like there is super untransparent landscape regarding tariffs in general, because producers, especially those active on the wholesale market, paying several tariffs on one market, which the other producers are not paying on the other market, but they are still active on the same interconnected wholesale market. And the other guys don't know what our guys are paying for and they still need to be competitive. So uh, I think like transparency, not only on the market, but also between the markets, because Europe is getting more and more interconnected. Doesn't matter whether it's uh, 
electricity networks, distribution, transmission networks. It will be also connected to the EV charging networks. Yeah, I cannot imagine when there will be 27 different charging mechanisms for EV in the EU. 27 is still 28 currently. Um, <laughs> someone from UK here? Okay. Uh, when there will be totally different charging mechanisms for EVs and now I'm driving from, let's say, Germany to uh, Croatia and I will be charged totally different prices in every charging stations. This will also not be a trigger for me to start using the EV more often, like on the more or longer distances. So um, I'm sure that transparency also means more open discussions between the policymakers and the DSOs and the charging point operators, everyone who is connected into the system. But we need to always keep in mind the overall system view, not only, oh, I want this because this helps my business, but it hurts the other one's business. Yeah? So we need to keep some balance, create some balance and real transparency on the structures, on the discussions, and of course the regulations at the end. Sven Brink from Malego, another challenge. In building networks and rolling out charging equipment, and then especially 50 kilowatt upwards, you need to find locations, and you mentioned it, that was a big struggle in the start to get things rolling in Poland, and uh, we do it for 20 countries, so we know what it is. It's difficult, and it's a challenge, because the grid connection that you're requesting, uh, if we go to high-speed charging, even bigger volumes of connections that we need, you need to depreciate them over the length of the contract period. Uh, normally, uh, a grid connection was done for a business or an office or a house. You get the connection, and as long as the house stands or the business is there, it functions, even with a transformer. So it's been generally depreciated over 40, 50, sometimes even 60 years. But if rolling out a network, if I get to a site owner and I ask a contract for a site for 60 years, he's going to look at me very differently. And he says, I'm not sure if I'm going to do that. How do you see that challenge? How do you think we can resolve that? Because these costs, the grid operators are charging us, are basically an old-fashioned model based on, I'm there, I'm not going to stay there, I'm going to use it for the next 100 years. Any solutions? <laughs> I give the word to my colleagues. I don't know. I, I really don't feel uh, really like the best expert to answer this question. So if anyone has better answer than this. I'm definitely not an expert. But from what I've been seeing at European policy discussions and stuff like this, we're pushing grid operators, both at DSO and TSO level, to increase capacity anyways, coming from the energy sector. Again, renewable energy, prosumers who want to have higher connections because they potentially want to put solar panels on the roof and, again, e-mobility. So we have to incentivize the DSOs and the TSOs, the whole system, to phase out or allow more these substations and the grids, essentially, to, to handle the, the foreseen capacity. And I feel like this is what uh, will be pushed in through the network codes and these future discussions. So if that's going to happen anyways, then, you know, <laughs> might as well force them. I may only refer to the Polish example, as we said already, that there is a new regulation in the country where DSO, in fact, pays for that because we pay only one sixteen of the of the cost of the connection. But it is done in a way that at the end the DSOs pay and then other clients connected to the network. I think also we because part of the fee that we are recovering 
we have different ways to recover fees, but we are also looking forward at prospective costs uh, for the system. So first of all, I think we need to make good planning how many of these connections are needed, and then we can think what is a fair way to distribute these costs. I don't know now what a fair way is, but if it, this is bringing benefit to all of society to have electric vehicles, we also somehow need to find a way to carry this in society that is not unfairly burdened to one party. So I don't have now an answer. My members would not be happy if I now, if I now gave one answer. But it's clear that we need to have a long-term approach to what the realistic future needs of the system are. Yeah, I think, Sven, you really hit the nail on the head. I mean, this is exactly why we wanted to have this panel discussion at this event in the first place. I mean, if we bring it back to what you know, this event is, this is the closing event for an e-mobility project, and what we've learned now after three years of deployment is that the tariff structure that is in place for electricity is an extremely outdated one, which is not really taking into account the power needs of electric mobility. So this is clearly a problem that we're facing. Whatever the solution is, not necessarily going to come to it today. And in fact, in researching this panel and this group, we found that this debate is starting to take place in many different communities. So that's how we got the diverse perspectives of the panelists mentioned here. Also, other organizations, Edso for Smart Grid, Solar Powered Europe, um, I, within subsectors of Euroelectric, Platform for E-Mobility, and I'm sure there are many other organizations that are starting to have some variant of this debate. It's a problem for us. It's a challenge. Something needs to change. We wanted to contribute to that debate. That's why we, we organized this panel. Thank you all for participating. But clearly, it will be going on for a long time. We're having it. You're having it. And you can imagine every other CPO is having it as well as the, you know, not going anywhere anytime soon. But the solution will be, need to be clearly one that works for all parties. And yes, probably takes a systems look because this electricity will be needed for a lot of reuses, not just immobility. Nonetheless, electric vehicle charging, if we want there to be, which we do, Matsya, as you said, a mass deployment of electric mobility, many more vehicles, many more charging, and make it popular and possible for a large number of people to drive electric, this is something that's going to need to be solved. So with that, this is the beginning, not the end of the conversation. That was the debate from Brussels. It was very illuminating to get such a range of perspectives from both the e-mobility and energy sides. It's clear that with so many more needs and more demand for electricity, not just electric vehicle charging, but more broadly, that even with smart grids and smart charging, this is a complex topic that will be under discussion for quite some time yet. We will have two more special episodes from Brussels coming in the next few weeks, one dealing with infrastructure financing and another with energy storage and the role of charging point operators in the energy system. They're excellent and highly informative, so you won't want to miss them. If you want to learn more about the conference, I'll share the link in the show notes. Hopefully you liked today's show. And if you did, please share it. Check out the archive on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Anchor. All our episodes deal with important topics on energy, e-mobility, and the electric vehicle landscape of Central and Eastern Europe. So if you're into any of these issues, we have episodes for you. Please leave us a rating or review, which also helps people learn about us. You can reach us at my email at aaron.fishbone at greenwaynetwork.com, tweet at us at gwoperator.com, or find us on the Electric Avenue Podcast Facebook page. Finally, I want to thank all our panelists in Brussels and also to our podcast team of Julia Birtakova for marketing, Katarina Urban-Richterova and Oksana Ferancova for producing. 
I'm Aaron Fishbone. Until next time, dear listeners, we wish you many happy and safe electric kilometers. And so before we go any further, I'm just curious, has everyone here had the experience of driving in an electric vehicle? Yes? Yes? Good. Super. Has anyone here not had that experience? Okay. All right. All right. Well, so there's at least two people who, after this event, we need to find an electric vehicle and give them that experience because we find that...